Wrestling Recommendations, episode 40. I'm your host, Eddie Shepard, along with... Uh, Travis Laster. No uh, quippy intro this week, just uh, Travis Laster this week. No trivia this week? Uh, Trivia, but it didn't go well, so... (laughs) I see, I see, I get it. Uh, Of course, guys, this week we're doing the Steiner Brothers versus Doom from WCW's Clash of the Champions 10. But let's talk about our busy weekend, Travis. Oh yeah, NGW show sold some sold some stuff. Uh, literally sold a the ultimate Cody Rhodes. Like as soon as I hadn't even priced it and put it on the table yet, and the guy's like, "What's that?" He's like, "It's like it's the ultimate Cody Rhodes." And he's like, "Oh man, I missed the pre order. How much you want for it?" And I was like, hundred bucks." And he's like, "Guess I gotta get it." And I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> Wish I had like three more of these motherfuckers. Then I also sold my Chase Andre, which I realized had like a kind of a tear in the back of it. So I sold it to him for 35 instead of 45 like I was going to ask. But, hey, I, overall, I made like 250 bucks that show. So pretty pretty excited. I sold WCW Mayhem. So hope whoever got that enjoys it. It's the guy that uh, took the picture and sent to Brandon of his RoboCop and Sting shirt. Oh, yeah. We, we bump into that guy at every convention we do, and he comes to every NGW show. He's a, he's a, fig, he's a fig head like we are, but he's kind of – he told me he's moved away from figs into – uh video games now so Ooh, that's, got some strategy guides i could sell that's equally as dangerous as oh, figures well the good thing is there's not as many games as there is fucking wrestling figures so i guess it's not as bad but buying the fucking systems can be oh yeah if you want a quality one yeah travis talked about it we were at the ngw show we were uh, making the dirt sheets we had tyler breeze it was his first indie day it was his first match in two years mm. and he beat Matt Cross thanks to uh, Dirty Dongo uh, coming on the uh, the NG Dubtron and his line that popped Travis. What line was it, Travis, that popped you? Hang with Dixie Carter on the reg. <laughs> that was, that was oh, yeah. a fair thing. Like, so like tearing it up TNA. in TNA. <laughs> tearing it up in TNA. Hanging out with Dixie Carter on the reg. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. The crowd was like, what? But we live streamed the, the, epi- uh, the episode. The episode. The uh the show and it went really well a lot of people had a really good time we got a new eastern states champion in caleb conley uh matt cross lost the ngw title to breeze so breeze is your ngw champion if you've been on social media you've probably seen the picture of the ngw title and the tyler mate, breeze i did i sent eddie the picture some guy was like man he's like that that belt is is fucking sexy or something i was like yeah and then the next guy was like Oh, you guys should really advertise if you guys are going to sign autographs or not. I drove two and a half hours. I'm like, there was no, I mean, people told you, never said he was going to sign autographs. So what the fuck, man? The guy who asked about it, he he sent us messages like, is Tyler Breeze going to be doing a meet and greet? He said, we don't know at the moment. Because originally when we booked Breeze, he was we were just going to have him do a signing and then have him do a run-in. But then it changed when our plans got skewed because we were going to have Kurt Angle at the show. We had him booked and then uh, plans went awry because of his agent uh, having the dates wrong. So uh, we went with Breeze and I think it, I think it went perfectly. Uh, but that guy, yeah. you drove two and a half hours. Dude, buddy, you had a great time. You were at an awesome wrestling show. You got amazing just wrestling. show. Uh, just enjoy the show, man. Shaf and Facade fucking tore it up. Shaf's grandma was out there hitting Facade with his with her cane. Uh, Sue Sue Young and Danny Moe, they had a, a hard-hitting match. There was a neck breaker that was on social media. Uh, she was in a tree of woe. It looked vicious. It looked crazy. Also, uh, Fondago, when he said, Alexa, play, and then it started playing, no chance. So that's what you got. So I was like, fuck yeah. Multiple references to different companies. I love it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We had fun. So uh, if you get the chance, go back on High Spots, and you can watch the replay there. Uh, and follow us on social media at NextGenTN. Uh, uh, we'll talk more about that later on. However, Travis, this week, 
like we just said, we're going to be covering Steiner Brothers versus Doom from WCW's Clash of the Champions 10. We talked about the Steiner Brothers in pretty deep, in-depth, if you will, uh, on our Steiner Brothers Miracle Violence uh, Connection episode, which is still our most downloaded episode, so definitely go back in the archives and check that out. So what we'll do instead is dive right into Doom, and we'll start with uh, Butch Reed. Bruce Reed was born on July 11th, 1954. Reed attended the University of Central Missouri, where he played college football. That sticks with the theme. Almost all of these guys played college football. In 1976, he signed as a rookie free agent with the Kansas City Chiefs, but was cut before the season started. Butch Reed would then train to become a professional wrestler and would make his debut in 1978. Early on, he wrestled as Bruce Reed, adopting the Hacksaw nickname over time. We'll talk about the, the rivalry over the name. Reed wrestled mainly for the NWA in the early 1980s and made a name for himself in their St. Louis, Florida Championship Wrestling and Georgia Championship Wrestling territories. Big jacked up dude. Yeah, like they, he, he, he looked like a wrestler. That's that's where the line uh, comes for Butch Reed from Bruce Pritchard, where it's like, yeah, Butch Reed over in Florida, huge in Florida. <laughs> that's why they put him <laughs> in Togan. On April 7th, 1982, this was an interesting fact. Uh, this is one of the only times we're going to kind of shout this out. Butch Reed had what is now recognized as the first five-star rated match by Dave Meltzer, in which he challenged Ric Flair for the NWA title in Miami, Florida. Just, just gotta say this, man. And fuck Dave Meltzer, because you know that match would not get five stars now, and it was probably because Flair was in it, and and Meltzer's a known Flair mark until he came back for his last match, and he said that he wasn't even gonna rate it or something. But Meltzer's ratings are bullshit. It's one man's opinion, and the wrestling community has put too much merit in the Dave Meltzer and made him more made him feel. Like he's more important than he actually is. Like it's a, a fan watching wrestling, and he put out a newsletter that other marks wanted to, I guess, just feel like they could talk to somebody about matches and star ratings and all this other stuff. Now they have a thing called the internet, and we can just do that without having to pay for a fucking uh, newsletter. And his 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 rambling about when he thinks he has a news story, and then it turns out to not be what he said it was going to be is fucking horseshit and stupid, but people give him a pass. He's like, Oh, you got bad information. No motherfucker. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just guessing based on what storylines and things he like can see. Like, I don't know of a story Meltzer has broken a long time, except for continuing to keep the bucks, punk, Omega, all that shit stirred up just by saying something dumb on his podcast. And then those guys giving it too much weight, which is a known, AEW like super supporter so he's a huge fan of Kenny Omega I think he has 25 five-star matches based on uh, Meltzer's rating and Osprey has 26 so you can definitely tell who who he skews to because if, if WWE was giving him any kind of like information or access those guys would probably have more five-star matches the fact that he has never given Kurt Angle a five-star match tells you all you need to know about Dave Meltzer yeah, I agree. And, and a lot of people need to realize, too, with Meltzer, it is one man's opinion. And the thing about Meltzer is we all give Meltzer shit. But at the same time, dude worked himself into a great gimmick. He ha he makes so much money off all these other marks. And if he wouldn't have done it, somebody else would have. There would be somebody else giving this person well, shit. Here's the other thing, too. Like, he has to constantly do something to keep people subscribed to his newsletter. So he's just as much a gimmick as Jim Cornette or any of these other guys are. Like he is a gimmick. He's now the sm ultimate smart mart wrestling fan that has a newsletter and a podcast. That's that is his gimmick. And there's plenty of people that have followed in his footsteps. Brian Alvarez, uh, God Keith, what, what's uh Bruce Mitchell? People like that. Like have all followed in his footsteps. So I mean. Good for him. He's made probably millions off of uh, internet wrestling fans that now Fightful's making millions off of. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and like I said, it, it, it's one man's opinion. It's just like the tomato meter. 
there's always going to be people reviewing movies. There's always going to be people who say the movie's really good when it's not. And there's always going to be people who say that a movie sucks when it doesn't. So, uh, well, and a, a lot, of, a lot of it is pro wrestling is it's opinionated. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that would be like that match was really good, but it could be really terrible in someone else's eyes. So, like I said, all of his 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 ratings it's all opinionated and everyone wants to hold it as the gospel you know yeah and that's kind of what our podcast is these are our opinions on matches we think are good yeah we've asked our friends for some input and stuff like that too but honestly in the end it's what we think is a good match and i mean we go back to that the triple threat at, at wrestlemania we thought that was a good match when we originally watched it and then in 2023 eyes it was something different so Meltzer's ratings would probably have probably changed over the years too. So, I mean, I could see that, but like, it's just like, you love horror movies. You, you would put horror movies up there. You'd give them a higher rating than I love when Brandon does the reviews with like Google, Google users and rotten tomatoes and everybody's different. They're all skewed. Everything's different. So just like you said, apples and oranges. I, Scott loves AEW. I'm not a big AEW fan. So he loves that. I love other wrestling. So it's just everybody's opinions are different. And that's why there's so many wrestling companies out there because they skew, they, they give, give whoever what, uh, what they're looking for. Yeah. I agree hundred percent, but yeah, we still go back to fuck you, Dave Meltzer. Uh, Butch Reed began working for Bill Watts, mid South wrestling from 1983 through early 1986. In Mid-South, he was known as Hacksaw Butch Reed and came into the territory as a tag team partner for the main face in the territory, the Junkyard Dog. Go back and watch Junkyard Dog's uh, Dark Side of the Ring. It was pretty good. Uh, Reed immediately came face-to-face -face with a heel Hacksaw Jim Duggan over the Hacksaw nickname. He and Duggan feuded over the Hacksaw name until Duggan turned face. This resulted in Reed's heel turn when Duggan was picked to be Junkyard Dog's partner over him. Uh, the heel, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you'll hear about it on the Doink episode. You just got doinked of, uh, Matt Bourne's Dark Side of the Ring that there was a group. It was, I think they were called Bad Influence. I could be wrong on the name. I cannot, not, I don't think it's Bad Influence. But the it's, Rat Pack? Yeah, that's it. That's the Rat Pack. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it's Hacksaw, uh, Matt Bourne, and Ted DiBiase. Yeah. So yeah. they were all a heel group. Um, definitely go back and watch both episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. I've liked these episodes this season more because it's been very kind of territory. Um, and it's been it's been pretty good. But they talk about that. So that's interesting. Uh, Reed appeared on TV stating that Butch Reed is going to start looking out for Butch Reed, which prompted the Junkyard Dog to join him in the ring. After arguing back and forth, Reed attacked Junkyard Dog. He would enter, He would then enter into a feud with Terry Taylor. The Reed-Taylor feud raged all through the spring of 84 and was instrumental in establishing Terry Taylor as a star in Mid-South. What would have been with Terry Taylor? He was always like the second best guy. <laughs> Dude could work, but he was just he's, a vanilla wrestler. Like he's, he was, there was, he was always the, crazy. the technical television champion. Like that was all he really, I mean, that's what he was in the UWF. That's what he was in Mid-South. He was, I hate to say it, poor man's Ted DiBiase. Oh, when he was the tailor-made man, he was the poor man's Ted DiBiase. God dang it. Him and Michael Wall Street both. That's a terrible, the York Foundation. Ugh, that's terrible. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> After fighting with Terry Taylor for months on end, Reed's attention turned from Taylor back to his old enemy in the Junkyard Dog. During a match, Reed attacked Junkyard Dog as he performed under a mask as Stagger Lee and painted him yellow. The war between the two became brutal, and there were single matches, such as the dog collar match that took place. Just as their feud was starting to reach its heated highlight, the Junkyard Dog left Mid-South and signed with the WWF without informing Booker Bill Watts of his decision. This meant that the Federation was without their biggest face, and shows had to be hastily rebooked. Kind of left them in a tight spot. Reed would end up leaving Mid-South and went to the AWA for a short stint as Jimmy Gar Garvin's bodyguard. He then returned to Mid-South Wrestling in the middle of 1985. Around this time, he had a famous one-hour time limit draw with NWA World Champion, woo, Nature Boy Ric Flair, and feuded with Dirty Dick Slater when Slater helped Flair to keep the world title. In 1986, he would leave Mid-South once again and would sign with the World Wrestling Federation. 
Reed dyed his hair blonde and became the natural Butch Reed. He made his pay-per-view debut at WrestleMania 3, where he defeated Coco Beware. One of the biggest shows in wrestling history, Butch Reed makes his debut there. You call him a natural. Natural, natural Butch the, Reed. The Dustin Rhodes ripped off. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes ripped off Butch Reed. Oh, man. It's funny because he play, he wrestled against Coco Beware, who was another Mid-South guy. So it's just very, very interesting. Who would uh, later we, dye his hair blonde as well. Yeah, yeah, Frankie, though. He was over. <laughs> In the weeks after WrestleMania, Reed targeted new Intercontinental Champion Ricky Steamboat, Steamboat and faced him at a house show, multiple house shows, actually, and on an episode of the Wrestling Challenge. He then feuded with Don Morocco and were on opposing teams in the main event of the first Survivor Series. But Reed would be the first one eliminated by Hulk Hogan. He was the first one out of the match. Reed competed in the first Royal Rumble match in January 88. Two months later, he was eliminated in the first round of WrestleMania 4 of the championship tournament by the, the eventual winner, Randy Savage. The first round loss at WrestleMania was Reed's final match for the WWF. Shortly after shortly after WrestleMania 4, Reed and the WWF parted ways, and he would resurface in the NWA's Jim Crockett promotions as Hacksaw Butch Reed. His biggest match was a loss to Sting at the Chi-Town Rumble on February 20th, 1989. During the summer of 89, he floundered in the mid-card as Jim Crockett Promotions grew to become a national wrestling organization until he began teaming with his tag team partner, Ron Simmons. So we're going to go right on to Ron Simmons. Kayfabe, brother. Kayfabe, brother. Ronald Simmons was born May 15th, 1958. Ron would play four seasons, four years, of college football for the Florida State University of the Seminoles and would be named a two-time All-American. He later had a brief career in the NFL selected in the sixth round of the 81 draft. He played for the Cleveland Browns in 81 and 82 and the USFL's Tampa Bay Bandits from 83 to 85, and it was there in Tampa where he met a teammate and future professional wrestler, Lex Luger. Your favorite. Fuck Lex Luger. He killed Miss Elizabeth. Allegedly. He did it. I'll give a shit. Allegedly. (laughs) Simmons joined Jim Crockett Promotions in 1986, appearing on the first show of the Great American Bash Tour. In March 89, Simmons began showing signs of a hill turn as he got more aggressive during his matches. He completed his hill turn in May of 1989, which leads us to doom. When Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner started uh, to team in 1989, a female fan started following them around, professing her love for the cute and dorky Rick Steiner. Scott and their manager at the time, Missy Hyatt, began to have suspicions after the woman suddenly changed to a new vampire, vampy look. When the woman tripped Scott in the ring, causing him and Rick to lose to champions at the time, the Freebirds, it briefly caused dissension among the brothers. In the end, she turned on the Steiners, adopting the name Woman, and vowed that the Steiner brothers would meet their doom at Halloween Havoc 1989, but never made it clear who or what doom was. At Halloween Havoc, Woman unveiled the Steiner Brothers' Doom, a couple of brawny, hard-hitting masked wrestlers. Doom won their debut match against the Steiners when one of the members of Doom pinned Rick Steiner after a headbutt with an illegal object in his mask. At the time, they didn't say who Doom was. It was Doom number one, Doom number two. Jim heard shit. That's immediately what I thought when I heard this. Jim heard shit. Well, and you got to think when they were probably originally told that name, they're like, fuck, what kind of name is this? But it's actually a badass name for a tag team. There's a lot of puns. It is to a badass it, name. Doom. Which is, it's okay. We'll get more to it here in a little bit. Doom's next pay per view would be at Starcade 89, along with the Steiner Brothers, the Road Warriors, and the Samoan SWAT team. They were entered into a one night tag team round robin tournament. They did not score a single point, ending dead last in the tournament. Jim Ross accidentally exposed Butch Reed's identity on commentary during this show. Good old Jim Ross. Dead in the water. 
it's, I mean, it is what it is. Doom's misfortune continued as Woman soon dropped the team and became the manager of the Four Horsemen. This would lead to Doom versus the Steiner Brothers at Clash of the Champions 10, with Doom's masks being on the line versus the Steiner Brothers NWA Tag Team Championships. And it's funny because they still say with Doom with Woman when they come out. They do. And they do. Cornette references her own commentary. But she's nowhere to be seen in this match. She does the the commentary team on on this show, which the show we're about to lead into, which is Clash of the Champions ten. Uh, it's Jim Ross and Jim Cornette on commentary. They're great. They're great oh, together. Yeah. They feed off uh, each other very well. Cornette has a line I'll talk about later, but it's one of the best lines ever during this. Yeah, match. he's he, he's great. Um, this show has a lot of historical purposes and a lot of things that happened in it. When I watched back, I, I was messaging you. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I forgot. Like, I, I didn't realize that this was the show. So Clash of the Champions 10 took place February 6th, 1990 at the Memorial Coliseum in Corpus Christi, Texas. There were 3,000 fans in attendance and the show drew a 4.5 rating on TBS, which is not terrible. This show was the setup show for Wrestle War. There is a little snippet. I think I may have sent it to you, Travis, but it was like a commercial for Wrestle War, and it's like a rap. It's so bad. Uh, I'm going to have to post it onto our TikTok. It's terrible. Uh, Wrestle Promotions trying to rap at this time was always terrible. Just look at AWA. Yes, Rumble. 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 (laughs) What is... uh, Do you remember the name of the... uh, uh, it's, it's Texas Shootout, correct? Is the name of this class? Yeah, Texas Shootout. Hold on. Yeah. That's uh, it. There it is, Texas Shootout. The opening to the show is so terrible. It's like those old, like, it's like the Nintendo game. It's so bad. It is so I'm going to have to share that, too. It's so, it's so terrible. But here's the matches we got at this show. We got Dr. Death, Steve Williams defeated the Samoan Savage. Flying Brian and the Z-Man defeated the Mod Squad of Spike and Basher. I didn't even look them up. I wasn't going to waste my time. But here's where we start getting to some of that um, historical value to, to some of the stuff going on in this show. Mill Mascaris defeated Cactus Jack Manson. This is where Cactus Jack took that horrific bump on concrete. Uh, it looked vicious. It was, for the longest time, I thought that's how he lost his front teeth. I uh, was from this bump, but I, I was wrong. Uh, Norman the Lunatic defeated Kevin Sullivan in a Falls Count Anywhere match. What the fuck? <laughs> it's great. No, it's this not. Travis, you Ferguson. lied. You before lied. Fried Ferguson, man. Oh my god! The Road Warriors defeated the skyscrapers of Dan Spivey and Mean Mark Callis, aka The Undertaker, uh, by disqualification. This match is wild because the skyscrapers beat the lev- the ever living shit out of the Legion of Doom, out of the Road Warriors. They start beating him with a chair, and like he catches him with like the actual seat part, the lip of the seat part on Animal's head. They are beating the piss out of them. It, it, it like took me back. I was like, "Holy shit, dude, it, it's rough." Like, and the fact that like these were the they even the graphic was like the new skyscrapers, and they had question marks over them. Dan Spivey and who the man that would become the Undertaker looked like a fucking vicious tag team at the end of this. Yeah, I think the whole idea was they were they were booked to look as strong as possible leading into the pay-per-view because they end up working the Road Warriors at the pay-per-view at Wrestle War, and they do a great job of that. Go back and watch them demolish the Road Warriors at the end with, with a chair. It's it's vicious for this time in WCW, uh, very vicious. We also didn't talk about Terry Funk is on, like, he's, like, out there. He's the Tony Schiavone for the show, like, with the microphone getting in people's faces, asking them questions. It is kind of weird. He has his earrings and he just looked weird. Uh, then that leads right into the Steiner Brothers versus Doom. And the main event is the Four Horsemen, Ric Flair, Ole, and Arn Anderson defeating Gary Hart International, which was the Dragon Master, who is dog shit if you try to watch this match. Buzz Sawyer, who is known for stealing people's money and leaving. And the Great Muda in a steel cage match. So, like we were talking about, this show is notorious because... The very beginning of the show, Sting is kicked out of the Four Horsemen because he will not relinquish his title shot against Flair and at Wrestle War. So they kick him out. They beat the shit out of him. And during this cage match is the spot where Sting blows his knee out. 
Uh, he goes to jump onto the cage and his knee just blows out. I can't remember if he tore an ACL, what happened. Um, but he, he fucks his knee up and you see him and you can tell Flair is pissed off and time's starting to run down. Like they're running out of time. So even stuff's going on when the credits of the show are rolling, but Flair is on top of Sting and they're trying to get him off him. Cause like Sting's fucking hurt, but they, he just keeps attacking them. It, it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, it's it's weird because the for, horsemen start out as faces at the beginning of the show, and then by the end of the show they're fucking heels wrestling another heel team, and you're supposed to give a shit about it. And it's it doesn't bad. make sense. It's bad because uh, they're in there, and there's no there's nobody's getting over like Muda would have been over, you know. But there's a spot I sent to Travis. They they have Buzz Sawyer in the ring, and uh, Ole Anderson comes in, and he back he whips buzz into the ropes and he back body drops him and he didn't give enough space so when he back body drops him his feet catch the rope and he lands on his fucking head and neck it looks so nasty it was it was pretty vicious uh but this show is kind of a product of the time it's pretty easy to see that uh jim hurd is involved with some of the booking stuff going on here oh yeah like it, this is definitely the jim hurd era Fucking Dragon Master, Ugh. just the names of teams. Even I mean, Doom One, Doom Two, and masks that you could see their fucking faces if you knew anything about. We'll talk about it. We'll were. talk about that. But like, the that's that's the kind of stuff you're dealing with here. It's it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Um, but that leads us right into this match, guys. So we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with you. Next Generation Wrestling brings some of the most talked about and star-studded professional wrestlers from around the world. Based out of East Tennessee, NGW is becoming one of the most sought-after independent wrestling promotions in the past four years. Witness NGW Live or on demand on the High Spots Wrestling Network streaming app. Follow us on social media platforms at NextGenTN. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purist Podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And we are back, guys. Travis, if people want to watch this episode, they can pull up their Peacock app and look up Clash of the Champions. We, however, are going to differ out because we wanted to watch this thing unedited. So Travis was lucky enough to find the entire show. And Travis says that this show is actually clearer on this cut than what's on the network. Yeah, and that's a strange occurrence because was it a couple episodes back we put over how much better the the network version looked, but on this version, uh, the guy's doing a restoration project of the of the WCW on this torrent website I use, and uh, the colors just look better. And there's no edited audio. The Steiners come out to Welcome to the Jungle, which is wild that TBS got away with that <laughs> back in the day, even in 1990. Whoa. I think it's because it. it's kind of like that thing with, with uh, ECW. They're just doing it once. And you got to think most of the time, the Clash of the Champions, especially on this time, they never came out on tape. When was the last – what was the last Clash of the Champions to come out on tape? Uh, five. I think it's uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. 
I want to say is the last one. Is yeah, it's I know a hat, mo- five. I'm a, I know most of these are not released, so I don't think they're really concerned about it. Cause it's going to be like a one and done kind of thing. Um, so they didn't really have any issues with it. But Travis, we're going to watch this episode, guys. So if you do want to pull it up on Peacock, like I said, it's under Clash of the Champions 10. We're going to pick up right as Doom is making their entrance. So Travis, you ready, my friend? Yes, sir. All righty, guys. We're going to say three, two, one, play. And there they are. Doom. I kind of like the setup. Setup looks really cool for Clash of the Champions. I do like it. Doom's music was kind of generic, but I actually like it. I don't. I have in my notes. It's funny you said that. I'm like, Doom, Doom may have one of the worst theme songs in wrestling history for a badass-looking tag team. Does Ron come out to that song later on, too? Does he end up keeping that song? Yeah, he keeps the song when he's the singles guy. It sounded familiar. I, I got to put over how bad these masks look. I don't understand why you would put these guys in masks. Why not just go ahead and debut Ron Simmons as a heel and Butch Reed as a heel? And they look cool. And they say that woman coerced them and like she made this ultimate team because they're badasses. I mean, she could have, they could have done that. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird that it's just weird that they fucking put them under those masks and even in this graphic here the mask looks terrible it's like a mr wrestling two mask with the eyes stretched out even worse yep okay brothers are like fucking bosses right here we have fun and games yeah and, come out to welcome to the jungle so it's like a stark contrast between the two teams right there well and the other thing is they cut out jim uh jim ross's whole spiel about them being from the university of of Michigan and being wrestling champions and all this other stuff. That whole part is cut out of the Peacock version, which is weird that they cut that out because they've been able to dub over music and keep the commentary on other shows, but they couldn't do it on this. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. Um, I will say Butch Reed's mask does not look as bad as Ron's mask. Ron's mask has like the opening is like really wide. You can tell it's Ron Simmons. Like there's no way of hiding it. Which oh, yeah. reads is a little bit smaller. It's easier to kind of hide the fact of who he is. And Jim Ross was like trying to cover it on commentaries. Like we have suspicions to know who these guys are. Yeah. Cause you've already fucking told them who they were. At least one of them. See doom <laughs> with woman. It, oh, there she's not out there. Doom with woman. Yep. Gary, Michael Capetta's is in there. God, look at Nick Patrick. Nick. <laughs> a lot of hand motions there. Uh, Went to the Earl Sabner school. Of I will Rapid. take, I will take Nick Patrick over Earl Hebner any day, man. True. God, Rick Steiner with that fucking fro mullet thing is fucking weird to see. Yeah, we got to talk about the about Ruse because Ruse were a popular shoe in the 80s, early 90s. And if you look at the corner posts, they are advertising the show, which is something that WCW didn't really do a whole lot of at this no, time. And, and I actually sent to the group uh, a Rick Steiner Ruse commercial that he did in like early nineties, uh, late eighties. And he's also wearing one single Rue in this match. But uh, Jim Ross puts over on commentary that the Steiners have their own Rue coming out that year, which I don't know if that ever happened or not, but um, they, they, it's worth looking do at. Talk, they do put over Rue's pretty hard. Yeah. Like you'll see Rick Steiner's wearing a, a blue boot, a blue shoe. That's the Rue that he's wearing. So it makes me wonder <laughs> if that's it. Rue. Rod Simmons' boot just has a D on it. <laughs> doom. Yeah, for Doom. Doom, dumbass. <laughs> I'm looking it up really quick. The Rick Steiner commercial is terrible, by the way. He's on a leash barking at other dogs like he's a dog. And then it just says ruse at the end. It's on YouTube if anyone wants to look it up. Yeah, I'm not finding the exact shoe, but there is a uh, a... Uh, an ad and it says ruse or else and it is sting luger flair the road warriors and rick steiner i don't know if you can really see it um but yep. that's what it why <laughs> it's wild I, I don't see their exact shoe they, they're getting they're, they're trying to make some kind of money so you know more power to them but lord i don't know if ruse it's got to be the, the worst turnbuckle covers <laughs> i've ever seen in my life though like they're over the pose, not even over the turnbuckles. That was a 
Hell beautiful. Frog. Oh God, power slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my Scott Steiner with a mullet. No, that was that's uh, vintage Steiner. Scott Steiner there. I'm Look serious. You know, a lot of people put over. A lot of put, people put over Scott Steiner being a you know jacked up. You know, like people think like 98, 99, 2000 Scott Steiner. Even you know all the way to his TNA run. Scott was always this big. We just didn't really notice it. Like Scott is fucking huge. I think he gets like bigger mass wise, but he's always ripped. Like this is like when Scott Steiner was his most agile. Oh, right on up Lord. through 96. Oh my God, on the back of his head. Fuck. <laughs> this, this is Steiner's not giving a shit. This is Steiner shoving a Sharpie up your ass right here. Don't, can't say this, is my Steiner brothers. <laughs> this is my Steiner brothers. <laughs> they might find a, find me and shove a Sharpie up my ass. I don't know. Oh, man. But, like, these guys are four big hosses, man. Like, they're just fucking men. Like, I don't understand. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, Jim Ross is jizzing his pants talking about, all oh, these guys are former collegiate athletes. Da, 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 da. Even he's, he's still putting over the fact that that doom could look like collegiate athletes on his commentary, which we already already know who they are. So he's not lying. I feel, I feel like it's kind of a, a missed opportunity because, you know, they, they later on go in the route. We'll talk a little bit about it, but Ron Simmons, you know, goes on to become a huge, they try to put him over as a baby face. Ron could have been a great heel to foil pretty much sting Luger mm-hmm. flair, everybody. They could have, could have man. That's just- impressive. They just uh, they they run him the babyface route as Ooh. the All American football player, Hall of Famer from Florida State. You know, I don't think there was ever a time that the Steiner brothers weren't over. I can't, you know, even when they came back to the WCW later on, uh, they were over in the WWF, and they came back, and even you know, till Scott turned on Rick, they were over as a team, man. Maybe when Scott was wearing just the trunks. And not the singlet when he first debuted. I remember seeing some early uh, shows of him, and he's just wearing some shitty yellow trunks. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about, and I don't think he's wearing knee pads either. It looks really weird. Mm-mm. But the singlets tie everything together. Like they're the first tag team that I remember wearing singlets. Like. Even wrestler-wise, I know there's been plenty of other wrestlers who wore singlets before that. You know, the Varsity Club is where it all kind of stemmed from. But as a kid watching the Steiner Brothers, that's the singlet look is the Steiner Brother look to me. That and the, the multicolor, the graffiti style, all that stuff, like that. that's fucking Steiner Brothers. Yeah, and Rick was real notorious, which I know he's wearing the Rue here. You see the blue Rue. Rick was always notorious for wearing two different colored boots, and that was something I feel like I never saw either. No, no. Yeah, that was something he like kind of started in the headgear thing. He's like one of the first ones I remember wearing the headgear and all that stuff, man. It they were they were innovators. Like just the little things they did were stuff you hadn't seen before. <laughs> like how they're freaking out because he's on all fours barking at them. God, it's just wild too because you know Rick doesn't get enough credit either. Rick is a hell of a wrestler. He's good. He's stiff as shit, but I feel like Rick is pretty damn good. Yeah, it's just I believe everybody gravitated towards Scott because he just had the Frankensteiner. That that was the huge thing that got him over, and then he had the more traditional boy boy next door kind of look, all American boy, whatever. And and Rick was more the crazy guy with. Like they they kind of play him off as mentally handicapped when they first bring him in with woman and stuff. So like I could see kind of why people gravitated towards Scott. Jesus, almost took the cameraman out there. I love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of it too is with with Scott. Scott had more flashy moves than Rick did, mm-hmm. and during the time period when hair was everything, Scott had the fucking mullet. So that's oh, yeah. another thing too, but I, I mean, if I had to pick between the two, Scott Steiner does have the better move set. The Steiner screwdriver is one of the coolest fucking moves. That the move where he does the uh, the fallaway slam, but he does a backflip with it, mm-hmm. fantastic as well. Well, and then like 
even though like WWE 2K, he has the fight, he's got the better moveset. Like he's just the the more fun to play with on the game too. So God, look at the Ooh. ring just fucking move there. Golly. Do, do you know which line I'm talking about the Cornette sells on commentary? There's one I have written down here, so I don't know if it's the same one, but I said, he goes, he's so stupid it takes him an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes. That's, That's the one. one. That's, That's the I fucking have. one. Cornette and Jim Ross, though, man, are great on commentary. Like, this this is prime Jim Ross. No, we gave Jim Ross shit for the Tanahashi AJ Styles commentary. Like, he was kind of phoning it in. But you could tell this right here is, I'm Jim Ross. I want to be the best fucking commentator in the world, Jim Ross. And then Cornette is just an excellent foil for jim ross yeah you saw a, a close-up of the rue that he's wearing um good on them for product placement but yeah jim Cornette and jim ross together here are fantastic uh there's a spot that happens in this match and i don't know if it's happened quite yet but scott's on the ground and i can't remember which one puts the boot to it to his face and they end up mentioning it on commentary that his face is starting to bruise. And if you look, his face is bruising. He, he catches a boot right to, I think it's his right, yeah, his right side. And you'll see it here in a little while. <laughs> Ross asked Cornette one time, they start making fun of, or Cornette's making fun of the Steiners. He's like, oh, they all got college educations. Cornette, what do you got? He's like, I got plenty of degrees. I just can't talk about them right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. He really is. That was a cool little spot too. So, uh, they're going to do the spot where Scott runs up behind him. There, he's going to kind of do a roll, like a roll through, and, and you know, kind of roll him up. And he ducks, and uh, Butch Reed catches him with a clothesline, and he sells the shit out of it. it. Looked really cool. I think he's about to get kicked here in a second. Let's see here. It comes up here real shortly. Um, but my my biggest question to you is, why do you think they put them under a fucking mask? I just think they kind of wanted to give them a fresh start from what they were because Simmons wasn't really doing anything at the time. Neither was Reed. So put them under there, try to give them some kind of mystery. Cause like neither one of them was like setting the world on fire as single stars at this point in WCW. So I think it was trying to give them something new to do and just maybe put a fresh uh, coat of paint on them essentially. And then it, it gave them a, uh, a gimmick kind of with the mask and stuff to start out with. So um, I think it was just trying to give them a fresh start and get them, get them, uh, get them, get them over in a different way. Cause that what they were doing wasn't working at the time. I, I just think that you could have been like, you know, Butch reads the hill and he coerced him and woman, like woman coerced him into making a team with Ron Simmons and Ron turns hill. Yeah. And they start off as a, a badass babyface tag team. But at the time they already had quite a few beautiful, you know, you gotta know who that, what you do remember that is after that side, like that sidewalk slam. Oh, he's, and then like, I like how, uh, Ross says, I don't know if he pulled him up or if he, he kicked out there. Cause he had a handful of hair. Like, it's just the little things, man. Like this is tag team relative. They got them. They cut the ring off. They're not near the other guy. Like it, this is like what tag team wrestling is supposed to be. And then there's Rick trying to get in the ring. Oh Jesus! Yeah, he he could have landed uh, on his Ooh. stomach there, but he that might have been it right there. Right in the mouth. Scott starting to make the comeback. He's gonna go for a backslide here. One, two, kick out. So as we're watching this match, Travis, I believe this was your this is on your choice for this match. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think the users at CageMatch.net rated this match? Beautiful. I'm gonna go like a seven point five. Ooh, uh, it was a beautiful pile driver. Rick Rick broke the the, the fall up there. Great pile driver, well protected too. Yeah, oh, uh, Scott's face is starting to bruise under the eye if you just could look at him right there oh yeah you can see you can bit. see it right there it's a little bit of black there um they rated this match a 6.1 out of 10 yeah i don't agree with that at all like maybe maybe there's not in the hoss battles but i love anything with the steiners in it and this is when doom was starting to take off so i don't agree with the whole 6.1 on that it's not yeah, meant to be a technical masterpiece Here's what Maybe. the I read one of the the higher rated um, ratings for this match, and this is what it said: it said, "With fans saying this is 
yet another good match from the Steiners who could do no wrong during this time period. Uh, Doom are really one of the few teams that can match them physically, and it's great fun watching these guys be so rough just throwing each other around. 100% agree. Yeah. What did that guy give the match? I believe he gave it a seven. With a review like that, you'd think at least 7.5 or 8. Yeah. He didn't say anything negative about it. Look at his eye. Did you see his eye? You see it right there on his face now. Um, uh, There was a few fans. I I think a lot of it is they just didn't really like this show, so it reflected on not liking this match as well. Look at his Mm -hmm. eye. You see it there, too. Uh, Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Frankensteiner got to go. And, uh, fucking rule. Sorry, Doom Two is having a fit over there. <laughs> Doom Two, Doom Two. So yeah, look at his face. You can see his face. And I don't know if it's from the boot or if it's just starting to puff up and blacken from where he kicked him. And then the maybe the mat rubbing off on him too because that's a dark colored mat. Uh, maybe uh, the, we're getting close to the finish here. Rick gets the hot tag, which a lot of people noted that you know Rick Steinerline getting the hot tag here is kind of weird because usually it was Scott getting the, the hot tag and, you know, doing all the, the fancy moves, Ooh, beautiful power. power slam, which is a nice change of pace too. Cause it gives Rick a, t- a time to shine as well. Here it is. Ripping at the mask, ripping at the mask. The only complaint which I have on this match is that what's about to happen here. Defeats the purpose of the stipulation. Well, he's going to put him in a headlock and the whole, the whole spot is he's going to try to rip the mask off and they, they missed the spot, but Rick, Rick saves it. Yanks it yep. right off. Then he puts he it on, puts it on. Which, they, which they missed too. He's like, I apologize. The mask is gone. Oh man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Tear oh white in my but- butchery there. That's butchery. <laughs> Boom. He's got Rolls the mask on. One, two, three. Good yeah. distraction pin though. Like that that should have been the finish, really. And then the I do like Cross how the Steiners get out of there quick. Look at his eye. See his face? Yep. Oh man, that's got to be yeah, some really kind cool. of stain too. I think Doug really Dillinger. Quick, those are beautiful belts. Those are beautiful belts. It's the blue strap belts. I love those ones. Um, Lene's Mountie Mark, uh, Benny Five Bellies wrote five out of ten. This felt like it took forever. Doom's heat section on Scott was not interesting or entertaining. What the fuck? It was <laughs> the, the the spine buster and stuff was great. Like. They had cool exchanges, the leapfrogs over each other. Like they got heat on Steiner, but he still got his moments to shine in it too. Like I don't know how you say that's un- uninteresting. And this match isn't even that long. How can he say it took forever? When the match is what 11, 12 minutes tops. Yeah, it's not a long match. It's like the perfect time. It's, it is the perfect time for a tag match. It was interesting enough. Uh, Maybe you should lose some of those fucking bellies and watch the match again or something like maybe that's it. He's hungry that day and when he watched this. Like I just don't understand yep. how you could say they, they just don't get it. Gary Michael Capetta announces that if Ron if that you know he doesn't take the mask off, both members are gonna be suspended. God, that mask it is about be, to rip it through anyway. Dude, <laughs> it would like you would tell it's Ron Simmons, like why would you like, say, Oh, it's Ron Simmons? He's like, why does it matter? Like, it's such these guys look so much, they're not ugly looking dudes. Like they Dude, they jack easily badasses. Pew pew and that's, do, 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 do. And that's the the match. I just I don't agree with that oh. guy, man. Like oh to me, the Lord. match the match moves along at a, at a pretty good pace. Like there's, there's not really any downtime, no rest holds, anything. It, it's a television match. It's Clash of Champions on TBS. They only have a certain amount of time they can do the match anyway. So, to me, like, I didn't feel like it dragged at all. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I didn't feel like it dragged one bit. No, no I agree. I, th- was this match the greatest tag match in history? Absolutely not. But for two big guys that are huge, just muscular dudes – fantastic match i think i thought the storytelling was fun they were cutting them off they were working a, a good tag match they were getting they were getting heat by choking scott steiner scott's face got all kind of scuffed up a little mm-hmm. bit they get the hot tag to rick rick cleans house and rick gets the win if it, he fools he fools the the heels gets one for the good guys man like i mean i thought i thought it was a good match between two teams that were pretty damn uh 
stout at the time. I mean, spoiler alert, Doom Doom becomes a tag team champion. Look at that. Look at that fucking button. My favorite pins. Yeah, I'm showing Travis right now. I know we're not on. Uh, I'm showing him my Steiner Brothers pin um, that I got from good old Travis Wallen. Um, but but these these guys, I thought they had a, a, a damn good uh, horse battle of a tag match here. Like, yeah, is I'm, it is it Steiner versus Miracle Connection? No, but it's still a good match that I could watch again and enjoy. Like, it's not something I have to force myself to watch to get through. Like fucking Norman the Lunatic and whatever, whoever. You, you couldn't get me to watch Kevin Sullivan, Norman the Lunatic in a false get anywhere match. You just couldn't. Um, which is weird that um, Buzz Sawyer looks like almost identical to Kevin Sullivan. I don't know if you've ever seen them side by side. They look identical. Uh, only difference was Sullivan had longer hair and uh, Buzz had the uh, had a you know pretty much a Buzz haircut. True. What would you give this match out of 10? I would go with what I guess they said. Maybe a 7.5 you know, to an eight. Like I, I feel like it's it's good enough to watch again and, and, and enjoy and and just listen to that the commentary and you've got four Hulse guys in there beating the shit out of each other for a good 10, 12 minutes. I'd give it a seven point five. Yeah, I'd give it easily like a seven like point two. Uh the only thing I didn't like is them ripping trying to rip the mask off the entire match when the whole mask was on the line. Yeah. Um, and them almost flubbing the finish, but they 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 almost did. They they got it right back on track. They didn't miss a beat. So uh, I'll give them credit for that. Scott getting the you know they getting the heat on Scott to get the tag to Rick the Frankensteiner absolutely. Um, and you got to think the Steiner brothers are still relatively new here. They're they're only like about a year into their run as a tag team, if that. So mm-hmm. um, they're they're pretty damn good. And there's a lot of tag teams you have. Um, you know, the skyscrapers, you have the Legion of Doom, you have the Samoan SWAT team, um, which all of them are about to leave. I want to say the Samoan SWAT teams, you know, not for too long show up in the WWF. And the- Young Pistols are there. Is the Midnight still there? I believe your Cornet's there, so the Midnight's still there at the time. Yep. Um, then you Freebird. also have the Freebirds. Yep, absolutely. They're still there. A pretty stout little tag division. Uh, the, the Andersons are teaming together. The mod squad is there. Don't forget Go fuck about yourself, that. Travis. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> ding dongs. Ding dong. Ding, ding, ding. Oh man. So the aftermath, Travis, with new manager Teddy Long, Doom rebounded and defeated the Steiner brothers for the NWA World Tag Titles at Capital Combat in May of 1990. Travis, what's what's the biggest thing from Capital Combat? Robocop, son. And I don't yeah, know if you right. saw this earlier, but I bid on a Capital Combat 1990 pay-per-view poster, legit from 1990. Um, I'm hoping to try to win it. Don't know if I'm going to, but uh, it's got RoboCop and the Legion of Doom on it, which is crazy because I don't even know if the Legion of Doom is on the show. I want to say they are. I think I looked at the card. I want to say that they are. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive they are. Uh, the Steiners would go on to win the U.S. tag titles from the Midnight Express in August of 1990. Doom would go on to hold the titles for nine months, defeating the teams of Rock and Roll Express, so Ricky and Robert, and feuding with the Four Horsemen, with their most memorable match being um, a street fight between Arn and Barry at Starcade 1990. So go back and watch that match. Doom were recognized as the first holders of the WCW World Tag Titles in January of 1991, and they would finally lose the titles to the Freebirds at Wrestle War in February of 1991. Subsequently, the tag team of Doom would break up with Simmons turning face and feuding with Reed, defeating him in a cage match at the very first Super Brawl. We've talked about that on our Arn Anderson Bobby Eaton episode. Go back and listen to that. So this is where it gets interesting, Travis. We've talked about it before, but I'm going to dive deep into it again. The Steiner brothers would technically win the WCW tag titles from the Freebirds before the Freebirds even defeated Doom for the tag titles. So once again, here's how that worked. The Steiner brothers defeated WCW tag team champions, the Freebirds, at a TV taping on February 18th. Doom, however, were still the champions until February 24th before losing the titles at WrestleWar. The Steiners winning the titles would air on WCW Pro on March 9th. 
So this is the notorious. I think it's like a, it's a negative six day title reign that the Freebirds have. And it's weird. We we covered that on something else too one time because I mean we we, we covered we it on the the Steiner Brothers Miracle Violence connection because yep. it was leading up to that time period. Um, but it is interesting to know that Doom was the very first official WCW Tag Team Champions, which is uh, kind of a, a feather in their cap. Um, the Steiners would hold the tag titles until July uh, when they were forced to vacate the titles due to Scott Steiner suffering a bicep injury. Yeah, totally kind of hurt their momentum there. A little bit, a little bit. So, Travis, your thoughts on Doom as a team and the Steiner brothers as a team? I start with the Steiners, man. The Steiners were the epitome of 90s tag team. Like they are the team of the nineties to me, like their longevity, everything, both men became stars afterwards, but like them as a team, WWF, they were the champions. They, they were killing it in new Japan when they went over there, they had a different style in new Japan with the Steiner screwdriver and, you know, different things. So to me, they're, they are the team of the nineties. Like they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Doom. I think their, the run was probably, a little could have been a little longer because they were they were a dominant force i mean like the guy said on the review like they're one of the one of the only teams that you could put up against the steiners and think that hey this team is a viable threat to them i mean you could put them up against the legion of doom and the skyscrapers like there was more feuds that doom could have had i feel like they kind of broke them up too soon and that probably has to do with butchery you know leaving and stuff but it worked out good for ron simmons but i mean i feel like they could have been a team team um that people talk about more because even the little impression they left people still consider doom one of the the better teams of the early 90s for wcw but i mean they could have they could have got went on a huge run i mean they could have been like the harlem heat before they were before harlem heat was there um both those guys were skilled badasses and they could have filled the the hole that the legion of doom left when they left to go to wwf if they'd let them let them do it yeah I really feel like when you break it down with the, with the Road Warriors leaving and going to the WWF, the Steiner brothers immediately took the number one spot as the number one babyface tag team because uh, the Road Warriors were always going to be number one. No matter what they did, they were going to be the top babyfaces. Um, but Doom, I felt like, like I was telling you, there was no need to put them under a hood. No. there was there, The guys are good-looking dudes. They were good-looking, jacked-up dudes. There was marketability in them. Of course, we get their Galoob figures. They both both sets of teams get their ta- their tag figures, and um, uh, it's very short lived. You know, they held the tag titles for nine months, which is you know once again another feather in their cap. But to me, during their title run, other than the the match with Arn and Barry, I can't think of a match off the top of my head that was kind of stands out. I agree with that, but. Uh, like you said, I guarantee a lot of this had to, had to fall on Butch Reed because Butch Reed loses to Ron Simmons at Super Brawl, and you don't see Butch Reed pretty much ever again. No, which is sad because I mean he he was a I gave him shit for the five star match with Ric Flair on Meltzer and stuff, but the guy was a serviceable worker. I mean he was a heel. Like I mean they needed they needed desperately heels beside Ric Flair around this time and the fact that flair leaves in less a little over a year's time he's in the wwf so he could have definitely or no it's not even a year he could have been one of the bigger heels at the time with lex luger and those guys after flair left i mean butch reed could have could have developed into a single star at that point yeah i agree I agree completely. Uh, they did the Steiner brothers right. I think they made them the top babyface tag team. That was a super smart move to do. Um, and it's hard to, to argue that they're one of the best tag teams. I always say it. One of the best tag teams of the 90s is the Steiner brothers. And uh, I'll, I'll die on that hill for, for years to come. Agreed. Damn. They are without a doubt probably the best tag team. They're in the top five tag teams of all time. And if anybody says anything different, they just don't know their wrestling history at this point i agree they're they're, uh, they're up there with the road warriors road warriors are always gonna be top five tag team to everybody just because they were over everywhere they went um but yeah i definitely recommend you uh, seeking this match out 
It was a fun, hard-hitting battle. It was fun. It was a fun match. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. But on to next week, Travis, as we roll into the Will of Names, the Will of Destiny. Of course, myself and Travis, if you've never listened to this podcast, this is how we come up with what we're going to cover next week. Myself and Travis have a list of matches uh, that we've been keeping a running tab on all the way from 1977 to 2023, the year that we're currently in right now. Um, of matches that we think are pretty good, our wrestling recommendations. Uh, this falls, you know, all the way with matches from WCW, WWF, WCW, WWE, uh, the UWF, NWA, uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, like we did last week. Uh, even the show that we were talking about at the beginning of this episode uh, with NGW, we have some of the local wrestling shows that I'm involved with. There's some bangers there. Um, So we have a good variety of matches here. So what we do is we take our list and we take recommendations from our buddies as well. Uh, Our buddies, Brandon and Eric and Scott are typically the ones that add to this list. Uh, But we put them in a randomizer, uh, the Will of Names, the Will of Destiny. Uh, We shuffle it and spin it. So whatever it lands on, that's the episode we're covering next week. So Travis, what do we get next week, man? What do you think? Mm, I'm going to go AW. I'm going TNA. That was going to be my first choice, but <laughs> going AW. That's for you, All Scott. All righty, we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to make the deal. So the wheel is spinning. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Spin the wheel. And it's stopping, Travis. Oh, come on. Oh. It's a good one. We were both wrong, but it's going to be later on WCW, but it's not just, or excuse me, uh, WWE, not WCW. I apologize. But it's during a tournament, Travis, and this is the final match of the first round of that tournament. It's Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa from the Cruiserweight Classic. That we put over pretty strong on our uh, previous episode with DIY and uh, FTR. Yes, the Cruiserweight Classic always holds a special place to our hearts because we were at the finals. We were there to see, you know, the no one knew going into it that we were going to get the Cruiserweight Championship uh, to the winner. Uh, fuck you, TJP. Uh, but this is what, you know, we were there for the finals. So um, really excited to see this. Love Johnny Gargano. Love Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, both guys are currently on Raw, but this is kind of that sweet spot when, you know, they use some guys from NXT in this tournament. And this was the final first round match. Yep. And it was, it definitely gets called back on to later on. But like these guys, um, the whole sitting down in the middle of the ring and like everything is called back on into their later in their feud. So it's little seeds planted here that lead into things later on. And the fact that they, they stay a tag team after this and, go on that run after it looks like Ciampa's going to turn on him in this match is it's just great stuff man it's a one storytelling a one yeah i agree it, it's some of the uh the tournament's pretty fun when you break it down because we have a lot of guys who stick around with the company afterwards and are signed because of this tournament and these two guys already, you know, pretty much had their spots locked into uh, NXT, and they're kind of a focal point on there. And it was a big deal that these two guys were facing off each other. And the seeds are planted early. This is what's, what plants the seeds to these guys eventually breaking up and having probably the best rival. I'll say it, the best rivalry in NXT. Agreed. I guess this is what kept the black and gold brand going there for a little while was, was these two and and them getting to each other and then eventually Johnny turning heel and all that stuff and Tommaso being the face like it's it's just like I said a few minutes ago great storytelling start to finish it's just it's just phenomenal what they do yeah it's it's fun it's it, it was a fun tournament it was a fun time in wrestling wrestling was so fun around this time period um and us getting to go to Orlando and watching the finals and catching an NXT taping at full cell you know before long before they left full cell uh it has a special uh, place in my heart so I'm really excited to talk about this match and talk about these guys 
Also, breaking news, I don't think I won the damn Capital Combat poster. That's what I was looking for here. Um, bid 60 bucks on it, and I, I guess I didn't win it, damn it. Yes, I didn't win What'd it. What'd it go for? I don't know. Like, it's gone, so I'm guessing they removed the stuff that actually wins and has bids on it. So, I don't know, man. I did not uh, see what the final price was. Which pisses me off, because I kind of wanted it <laughs> to, to hang up in the hang up in the garage, but Sadly, did not get it. Gosh darn it to heck. It's fine, though. Didn't need it. Didn't need (laughs) it that bad. So, Travis, let's polish this episode off, man. What you got for me? Uh, Nothing much, man. Just bidding on stupid shit on eBay auctions, it seems like right now is my thing. Um, But uh, other than that, or sorry, Facebook auctions. But if you want to check my eBay store out, go over there and check it out at TGLTheMan12. Haven't really put anything up there lately because just have not had time and wanted to get into it. So uh, hopefully that will be changing here soon. I've reorganized some stuff in my garage so I can work and work out there and not take up my kitchen and my wife yell at me. So uh, <laughs> there's that. Um, shout out to the guys over there at Bleeding John. Uh, looks like Moxley did not bleed tonight when their reveals for AW Blood and Guts, but you can bet your ass he's going to bleed next week. So those guys are sitting there probably on pins and needles waiting to hit that tweet button for everyone. Um, <clears throat> and not this week, but next week, it uh, looks like it will be time to record with the wrestling purist uh, for Canadian Stampede uh, in your house, uh, WWF in 1997. So looking forward to covering that sweet pot, sweet spot of a year. Love that year. Um, and also looking forward to next week recording uh, Tommaso Ciampa and, and Johnny, Gar- Gar- Johnny Gargano. Jesus Christ, had a seizure. Um, <laughs> but And get to talk about our Cruiserweight Classic experience because that was a fun damn time. So but that's about all I got, man. Yeah, guys. So definitely check us out on social media at Wrestling Recommendations. Find us on Twitter and at Wrestling Recom, R-E-C-O-M-M. Um, definitely check us out though, like wrestling recommendations on TikTok and Facebook. Every Saturday morning at 10 a.m., we do post our watch along. You can watch the whole match with us as we do our commentary for the match. Uh, so check us out there. Um, NGW guys, next generation wrestling. We just talked about it. Um, we had a really big successful show this past weekend. Uh, but going forward, I believe the next show we're gonna have, we may have another bar show pop up. I'm not sure. Uh, but our next big show is gonna be October 8th. I believe it's going to be in Knoxville again at Jackson Terminal. Uh, but to follow all that stuff, just follow at NextGenTN on all social media platforms. Um, but yeah, guys, next week, Cruiserweight Classic, Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. I'm fucking stoked. Um, but until then, I'm Eddie. This is Travis. And we will see you next week. Bye.